Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Let's dive into God's word. What do you say? We are in Matthew chapter 19 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 19. And we are working through a series I have titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. We look through his eyes. We look through his lens. We look through his view of the world. There are a lot of views running around in the world. There are a lot of religious views. There are a lot of worldly views. Um, there are views from all kinds of different angles, spiritual, philosophical, scientific. You can look through all these different lenses and see how the world operates and functions. But at the end of the day, we need to figure out which one corresponds best with reality and which one makes the most sense and ultimately which one is, here's the word, truthful. What is the truth? Even if I have a hard time receiving it, I want to know the truth. Would you like people to walk around your whole life telling you you're the best at something your whole life, but you actually weren't? Your whole life, they say, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. Don't you know you're the best? You're the best, you're the best, you're the best. But the whole time, and you wake up one day, you're 40, 50, 60 years old, and you realize just thousands of people were lying to you just to make you feel good, just to make you happy. At the end of the day, I, though it's difficult to digest, I think I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth about reality. I want to know the truth about what's going on. Because if there is true happiness within that truth, if there is true peace and rest and joy within that truth, I want it. I want to find it. Jesus tells us the truth, and I'm so thankful for it. He declares of himself that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will get to God except through me, he said. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to cover verses 13 to 30 in our text. This is sermon number 76 through the book of Matthew as we work verse by verse through it, chapter by chapter through it. And the title of the message is one you've heard before, The Rich Young Ruler. The Rich Young Ruler. Heard of a story of these children who were lined up in the cafeteria, of a private elementary school for lunch and at the head of the table was a large tray of apples and the nun there leading that day this woman she writes a letter a note and posted it on the apple tray take only one God is watching moving along the lunch line at the other end was a large tray of chocolate chip cookies a little girl, girl wrote a note which she put next to the tray of cookies. Take all you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> God is watching. The rich young ruler before us today, oh, to be rich, oh, to be young again, oh, to be a ruler, a king, or a queen, oh, to have power, or money, or status, it seems to be the song of our city, isn't it? It is the song we all sing in our hearts. If we could just get a little bit more money so we could live in that neighborhood or have a little more space, 
if I could just get a little more status, I'd be respected in, in the work environment, or I'd be able to run this or do that. If I just had a little bit more power, I could have a little bit more control of my life and the things that are going on, and I could make this happen or make that happen. Oh, to be rich, young, and a ruler. Oh, to be young again, right? I like to think I'm young. You, many of you say, you are. Thank you. I appreciate that in my heart. Thank you. <laughs> but something happens when you turn 40. I don't know what it is, but it just, something starts happening. And many of you who have been there, done that, already know what I'm talking about. Maybe when you turn 50, you already know what I'm talking 60, you already know. And you have much wisdom to give to me in those areas. And I try to receive it. You're young. But oh, to be young again, to be 19, to be 20, to have all of life before you. You don't realize that though you've been waiting for this moment your whole life, right? As you're young, you're like, I can't wait to get out of elementary school. Six hours, this takes forever. And then oh, to go through, to be in junior high and to get to high school, I just want to drive a car and I want to get out of the house and I want to do my own thing. I want bills, and I want my own apartment. I want my own car. Really? And now, as we're older, we dream, oh, to be young again, and to not have car payments, and, a, and an apartment to pay for, and to go live in the house again with no responsibility, no worries whatsoever. My biggest responsibility is to run and play today. Today, we get to see children before us. We get to see a rich, young ruler before us. And we get to see the Lord challenge both the disciples and this rich, young ruler on what it looks like to be a child and enter the kingdom with the mindset of a child, with the heart of a child. In L.A., you need the skin of a rhino. But you got to keep the heart of a child somehow. To keep believing to keep desiring, to keep trusting. It's hard to in a place like this. But the Lord pulls us deeper into relationship with him through the text today, and I'm so thankful. Let's read verses 13, Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading, not mine. These are, promise me, I promise you, these are not my words. Uh, but these are Jesus' words, and they somehow magically get into our heart. They get into the bone. They get into the depths of our minds, and they challenge us at a deeper level, and I'm so thankful. Matthew chapter 19, take a look at verse 13. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. And behold, someone came to him and said, teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, why am I still lacking? What am I still lacking? 
Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts and minds to see the meaning, your truth hidden in the text. What are you saying to us today, right now, in our day? Please, Lord, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, rip out these hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh that beat for your glory. Bless this time as we look at your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Last week, we saw the Lord put a cap on the conversation after the Pharisees questioned him about marriage and divorce and the law of Moses. And the Lord took a moment to explain the gift of singleness. Do you remember last week? The calling to not get married, but to dedicate your life to God. And if you missed that, you can go back to our, our website or our YouTube channel. You can find it on there. All of our sermons are linked there. You can always find them and share them there. We see a scene change in our story. Sometime after the Lord finished talking about marriage, divorce, and singleness, some children were brought to him by probably their parents. And the text tells us something hilarious in my mind. Take a look. Verse 13, it says, Some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray for them. And the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. Who are these guys? Sticks in the mud, that's for sure. Rebuking children. Uh, I mean, that, that is a harsh word used by Matthew to describe what's going on, but I love how Jesus turns around and rebukes them for it. Uh, they're, like, they're, they're coming up to the Lord Jesus and they're, hey, get those kids away from here. The Lord's like, no, 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 you idiots. Get over, you get over there. You, no, you get over there. They get over here. They were trying to push him away. And I've learned as an adult and dad now that I tend to be way more serious at times, less playful, less laughing than I did when I was a kid. And I don't like that about myself. Um, I see it in my kids. They just want to have fun. And dad is always having to squash all the fun way too often. Don't do that. Get away from there. Stop doing that. Stop talking like that. Put your hands. Don't hit your sister. Get away from there. Stop. I mean, I'm just squashing all the fun all the time. My little Shep, uh, his name is Shepherd Banks Thompson. We call him Shep. And uh, he likes to take a broomstick and walk up to the bushes and just smash them for like 20 minutes. And, and, and it's, it's great at first, because it's like, well, I mean, I, he needs to learn, you know, how to hit stuff. This is good. You know, maybe he'll turn into a baseball bat or something one day. Maybe, you know, maybe that'll work. And, and, and he's, he's a boy who wants to get his aggression out. This is so different from my little Eden. You know, she wants to make things very nice and neat and keep them together. And just was never smashing things. But Shep, I mean, I, I mean, right out. He just wants to destroy everything and break everything and hit everything. So, again, uh, 
three minutes in, smashing the bushes, this is fine. But now he, he's ripped a hole, you know, into the center of the hedge, which took me two years to grow, you know, son. So um, don't do that. And uh, of course, when I, when I say it to him, my voice is heavy. And my, my face, I forget to tell my face to smile often. My resting face is unbelievably serious. I can't stand it about myself, but it just is. I'll be walking through the grocery store. People are like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually happy inside. What's going on? Well, you look like you want to kill somebody. No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I had the same problem when I was a kid. But I'm trying to break this in me. Of course, we don't want our kids to grow up and have zero responsibility or manners in their lives, but we also don't want to put out the candle of fun in their life. Life will get really serious really fast, as we know, as adults. Plenty to worry about and stress about and be serious about, and so until then, let them play. Show them fun. Let their joy impact you. Let their laughter fill you and bless you. That's part of the gift of children from God. I just love it. They're little, I call them little joy factories, man. They just show up and they just instantly bring joy into your life. It's like you look into the eyes of a child and you're like, man, I mean, you, this innocence and this joy and this purity to just want to have fun. And they end up doing a lot of things wrong in the name of that. Ultimately, we have to correct them and discipline them. But oh, to be a child again. Joseph Jobert said, children have more need of models than critics. Children laugh somewhere around 10 to 20 times more than adults do. Did you know that? We stop laughing somewhere along the, the way. We just stop. Get too serious. Stresses of life weigh us down. Someone once said, the best thing to give to your children is your time. The best gift. The disciples rebuke the kids, thinking they are doing something great, keeping the kids away. And I can see Peter scolding the children. Kids, get back. I said, get back. It's the Lord. Don't touch him. Don't get those sticky fingers away from the Lord. I can see the kids' eyes fill with a little bit of tears. The big burly fishermen tell them to get back. They're thinking they did something wrong. And the Lord says, let the children alone, you idiot. I added that in the text. Do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. It belongs to them. You guys are at the back of the line right now. Jesus rebukes the disciples. He corrects them. He says, hey, Peter, stop that. Leave the children alone. Don't stop them from coming to me, for this is the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to these babes. The Lord probably pulled candy out of the thin air and gave it to them and smiled at them. Then verse 15 says, he laid hands on them and prayed for them and blessed them. And the parents were so thankful and the disciples were dumbfounded. Man, if we had a dollar for every time, the Lord had to correct these future apostles, the leaders of the great church, the writers of the New Testament. They're just a bunch of boneheads like you and me. They're not fantastic guys. They're not great people. There is nothing spectacular about humans except for when God shows up and does something great in them. David is not the giant slayer. God is. David can't slay a giant without God. It's not the person. It's who behind him. It's who's behind her. 
Psalm 127.3, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb will reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Their heritage, a blessing. Verse 15 tells us there is a location change all of a sudden from this moment with the kids. The Lord gets up from meeting with the children and he goes on his way. As we see the Lord walking, a man approaches him with this iconic conversation with which we call the rich young ruler. And we are not told directly that he is a rich young ruler in all one context, Bible students. Matthew's gospel tells us he was young. The gospel of Mark tells us he was rich. The gospel of Luke tells us he was a ruler. He had youth, he had money, and he had power, a Justin Bieber type. Yes, the kid seems to be able to work with anybody he desires on the planet, can basically write his ticket, his 300 million in the bank, not even 30 years old yet, I think, and is doing really whatever they ultimately want. Behold, someone came to him, it says in verse 16, and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The question of all questions. Teacher, how do I get to heaven? How do I live forever? It's awesome this young guy is already thinking about this big question. What happens when I die? How do I get to heaven? Oftentimes money, power, or fame can do this to a person once you reach the top or once you achieve what you ultimately wanted to achieve. What else is there to do? We start thinking about the real questions in life, like what's the point of all this? What's my purpose in this life? What's it all for? We have to commend this rich young ruler for coming to who? Jesus of all people to ask this question. He came to the right place, didn't he? For Jesus is the way. He is the way to heaven. He is the truth and he is the life. Verse 17 says, and he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus says, why do you ask me what is good? Or why do you ask me how to get to heaven? For there is only one who is good. But ultimately, if you want to get there, just keep the commandments. I love this. Jesus questions him, why are you asking me of all people what is actually good? Do you think I'm good? If you do, you're on track. Jesus says there's only one who is good, and he doesn't X himself out of it. When you contrast this with what the rich young ruler is about to say, it makes a lot more sense. He is about to try and convince the Lord Jesus that he is good. When the Lord is laying a foundation that there is only one who is good, and you are looking into his eyes right now. The rich young ruler is looking into a mirror, standing in front of a mirror, and he's about to see himself. You're about to see yourself for the first time, rich young ruler. There is only one who is good, and that one is not you. It's Jesus. 
There's only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Here is the answer. If you want to gain eternal life, Jesus says, be perfect. Be good. If you walk up to somebody on the street, right here, man on the street with your microphone, and you say, hey, are you going to heaven when you die? What are they going to say to you? It's a classic. I'm a good person. This is what everyone says. Ask people this hundreds of times on the streets. I'm a good person. Are you? Are you really? Let's talk through the commands. Let's talk through what is good. There's only one who is good. And let's see if you measure up. So the rich young ruler tries to convince Jesus that he is already good. Maybe this young guy has the gift of gab and has been able to talk his way into deals and all kinds of opportunities in life. And he attempts to talk his way into heaven with the king of heaven. Who can read his heart. This is a great conversation. So Jesus says, all right, I'll take the bait. Keep the commandments. That's a future context now, isn't it? Keep the commandments. That sounds like go on keeping the commandments. Go on, keep them all of your life, right? You want to get to heaven? Keep the commandments. Notice his response. Verse 18, then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, okay, you want to go? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shouldn't lie. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the Lord answers him, takes the bait again, and gives him, notice, six commandments. All that fit into one category, notice, of loving your neighbor. Jesus is going after his art. Slowing, narrowing the bullseye, and this guy can't see it. The Lord says to this rich young ruler, love all your neighbors well, and you will have eternal life. You're rich, do you love people well? You're young, do you put people above yourself? You're a ruler, do you walk in humility around others? Take a look at this guy's answer. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? And I can see Jesus with a twinkle in his eye just looking at him like, you young guy, I love you, but you're missing it. It's kind of like the person who steps into the gym and works out for one week and says, okay, where's the muscles? Where is my in-shape body? What, what, what's going on here? Well, that takes time, which... Young people especially don't like. We want it now. I remember when I was young, I just want everything now. Now, 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 now. 20 years. I'm not waiting 20 years. I'm hoping I can do this in like one year or two years. No, no, no. That, that takes a decade to do, you see. I'll never forget one of my brothers, uh, one of the spiritual brothers, one of my guys telling me uh, he was talking to a mentor of his who uh, they'd been married 25, 30 years or whatever. And he's like, he's like, how do I find a wife like yours? You know, how, she's amazing, you know, and just her character and the way she does this and does that and does this. And that. She's just incredible. I mean, where do you find a woman like this? And he said, well, I didn't find her like that. 
That's 20, 30 years of walking with the Lord in marriage that developed that kind of character and integrity and awesomeness, but they don't arrive that way, friend. <laughs> Time. We want it now. He says, I, I, I did all that stuff. What, what am I lacking? Why can't I get it now? Jesus is thinking, oh, oh, you, you already did that, huh? That whole loving your neighbor thing? Been there, done that. <laughs> you did it, huh? But you still have 60 years to live, young guy. I, I, I said, future. Keep the commandments. The rich young ruler has an idea that he can gain eternal life right now in this moment. And the truth is, he can. But he's not looking in the mirror yet. He refuses to look at his own heart, which is the first step in the kingdom of God. The first step is seeing we are not perfect, we are not good, and we need God to save us. That's the whole point Jesus is trying to make, but it's flying over the young guy's head. There was none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one does good. No one seeks God, the Bible tells us. All are in the same category. All have sinned before God and need his forgiveness. And no one can work their way to heaven. That's why Jesus did all the work for us so we could get to heaven. And he wants to give you his entire life of work so that you can receive it and be seen as perfect and good because of what he's done. And that is how you get to heaven. That sounds way too good to be true. He wants to give me his righteousness. He wants to give me his life of perfection. He wants to take my terrible life of sin on the cross, a great exchange of lives sounds too good to be true that is the gospel my friend that is the center of this bible that is the whole message that we have done everything to mess it up and god has done everything to make it right and then he just hands it to you for free because you stop worshiping the gods of this world and you start worshiping him with all of your life it's that simple it sounds too good to be true Jesus is literally going to offer this guy eternal life right now. So the Lord says, all right, I gave you three chances already. You still aren't listening. There is only one who is good. Keep the commandments. And you think you have kept all the commands since you were young. It's amazing as if he has attempted to challenge the Lord. But his responses seem to tell us that he just might be telling a little lie. So the Lord says, okay, my man, if you have loved your neighbor since you were young and kept all these commandments already, then this command will be an easy one for you to keep, and you can walk into heaven right now. Are you ready? Jesus lines up the crosshairs on this guy's heart, this young guy. And Jesus says to him in verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Mark's gospel adds this in Mark 10, 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him and says, you lack one thing, my man. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and, and come and follow me. The Lord loved him 
and had compassion on him, and it drove the Lord to tell him the truth. Jesus said, my man, my guy, brother, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have, everything. Give it to your neighbor. Give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Jesus was saying to him, you depend too much on your wealth. Go sell it all and depend on me like a child. Depend on me like a child depends on their parents. Follow me with all your heart. Go sell it all and give it to your neighbors, to the poor. Love others greatly like you have been doing since you were young, my man. You've been doing it, right? So this is an easy one. Oh, it's not easy. Jesus pulled back the carpet, the curtain on him completely and showed his past in one statement. Go sell it all. And it reveals he has not been loving his neighbor since he was young. Love others greatly, and you will be wealthy in heaven. Go sell it all, and you will be rich in heaven, Jesus says. The offer of a lifetime. Would this guy have been one of the 12 disciples? He is getting a personal invite from the Lord to come follow him. They're having a private conversation here. Go sell everything. Let's wrap this baby up and you come follow me. And we're going to do some crazy things on this earth. You want to be one of my guys? The context pulls together powerfully. This young guy is staring into the mirror, the one who is good. He sees his heart for the first time. He sees the one who is good and perfect. He saw it in Jesus' eyes the moment the Lord pinpointed where he lacks and the one thing that will keep him from heaven. He loves stuff, wealth, money, and power more than the Lord. And you can't, you can have both, but you can't love both. You can have both, but you cannot love both. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, Jesus said, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He says it very clearly. Family, it's not a matter of whether or not you have things and you own stuff. The question is, does the stuff own you? Money, fame, status, and power is not evil. They can be used for great good. Is money evil? No. Is power and status evil? No. The Bible never says that. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money, love of money, not money itself, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Money, fame, status, and power, again, are not evil. They can be used for great good. But it's when the love of these things is greater than our love for the Lord. And Jesus could see this was clear in this guy's heart. How do we know if we are in love with these things more than the Lord? Here it is. Let me ask you this question. If you lost it all, would you be okay? 
all the money, all the status, all the power, all the control, all the fame, would you still be okay with just Jesus? For that is the question the Lord is asking the young guy. Go lose it all and gain me. Wait, all I'm going to have is you, Jesus? Yeah. Oh, well, I kind of I need that stuff. Verse 22, but when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Every gospel, every single gospel says this phrase. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark 8.35, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus said, and for the sake of the good news, you will save your whole life. It's mentioned in every single gospel. Mark 8.36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? I want to say to you again, money is not bad. Status is not bad. Fame is not bad. It is only bad when it is used as a thing to worship. The young guy worshiped money more than God, though he said he didn't. Oftentimes when the money is flowing, the material things show up. Then the material things produce status. Then the status brings power and control. And if you give up all your money, you lose it all. Jesus says you don't need it. Come into business with me and I will give you the world. Eternity with me and a heritage for your children. Greater than you could ever dream. Peace, joy, and happiness that no man can buy. Sadly, this guy, after hearing the statement from Jesus, his countenance fell. And he didn't say another word to the Lord. That was it. That was his last statement. He couldn't believe his ears. Jesus said the one thing he wasn't willing to do. How did the Lord find the one thing in his heart? Isn't that amazing? I'm so thankful the Lord does this. He turns around, this young guy, and he grieves, the text says. Some of your Bibles say he was sorrowful. And he walks away from the Lord Jesus. The conversation he'll remember for all of eternity. The day he walked away from the Lord for money. It reminds me of Judas, who sold the Lord for a bag of silver. 30 pieces of silver was the price of the friendship of Christ. You know, you don't have to be rich to be greedy. If you can't give away the 10 bucks in your pocket to help your neighbor, you'll never give away the 10 million when you're rich. Greed sits on all levels. Giving to others breaks greed in our hands. Let me say it again. Giving to others breaks the greed in our hands. It literally smashes the stone around your hands. I, I didn't come from much growing up, and so it was hard for me to give because I didn't have a lot, and so I didn't want to give away the little bit that I had, and then as I grew older and I made more money, I didn't want to give that away either because I felt like I would lose it and I would have to return back to not having anything. Well, I forget, my dad taught me when we were young. He, he'd give us a, we didn't have much. He'd give me a quarter to go put in the offering basket. He, he, he kept pushing us to, to, to be generous, just to love people and to help people no matter what. Because a lot of people helped my family. 
when we were young, and I'm very thankful for that. But what I've noticed is that the more that I give, the more that I'm enabled to give to others. It's amazing, I give 10 bucks to somebody, it's like, ah, that, uh, I could have used that 10 bucks for something, I give 50 bucks to somebody to help them, uh, then I give 100 bucks to somebody, then I give 500 bucks to somebody, then I give 1,000 bucks to somebody, you give $10,000 to somebody, and you start realizing it starts breaking around your heart, and you're like, that, that wasn't that difficult, and the Lord seems to just keep bringing money back, no big deal. You, you ultimately cannot empty the account of heaven. You, 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 you take withdrawals from the account of heaven as God enters that into your account and you deposit that into other people's accounts and God just says, here's a refill. And now I'm 40 and I just realize like it's just, it's just money. It comes and goes and it's a lot easier to make than you can imagine once it starts happening. It just starts happening and you hope at that point that your heart isn't already locked because then you become greedy and then you can't. You got a hundred million in the bank and you cannot, you don't know what to do with it. I don't understand it completely, but I see it. And if the Lord has entrusted that stewardship to you, honor him with it, figure out what it looks like, go before him in prayer. No one needs to up and empty all their account. I don't think that's what God is asking of us. But I do think that he is asking of us to steward wisely what he has entrusted to each of us. If it's 10 bucks in your account, if it's a billion dollars in your account, figure out how God is calling you to use it for his glory. God is the most generous one in the universe, isn't he? Jesus would give all on the cross to win his neighbor, wouldn't he? To help his neighbor, Jesus is not asking the rich young ruler to do what he wouldn't do. Jesus will give far more than this rich young ruler. Giving would have brought this guy the priceless gift of heaven. Giving all the money away would have freed this guy from the burden of the fear of man. What everybody thinks about him. No more keeping up with the Joneses. He would have been free. Giving would have caused him to love his neighbors truly like he said he did his whole life. I often wonder if the Lord, after the Lord said, go sell everything to this rich young ruler, and if he would have said to the Lord, yes, Lord, I'm going to sell it. All I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and to sit at your table is all I want. Forget this stuff. I'm out. I'll be right, wait here. I'll be right back. I'm selling everything. I wonder if the Lord have said, my man, my brother, wait. You don't have to do that. All I wanted was your heart. And I got it. Now go use your riches, your youth, and your power to change the, the world for my glory. It was just a test like with Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac, when the Lord in the middle of it stopped him in the moment and said, don't do it. I was just testing you. For God made many people in the Bible rich and powerful for his purposes, Joseph, David, Solomon, Abraham. Jesus is making a point. I don't know what would have ultimately happened. But it starts a conversation with his disciples. The guy walks away. And verse 23 says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, 
When he says truly or verily in your text, you better listen up. <laughs> truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In teaching a stone to talk, Ann Dillard recalls a tragic story of the Franklin ex expedition to the North Pole. In 1845, a group of English explorers died because they were ill-prepared for the challenges they would face. Instead of providing room on board, their two, on board their two ships for storing additional coal for the steam engines, these careless adventurers used the space for a large library, a barrel organ, china place settings, cut glass wine goblets. Needless to say, when they ran out of coal, as they did, their books and teacups and ornate musical instruments were not enough to warm their freezing bodies. Every member of that expedition died. Sadly, 128 men lost their lives. Years later, when the search party found the remains of the men who had been set off to walk for help, they discovered one skeleton dressed in a fine blue cloth, cloth uniform edged with silk braid, sadly grasping in his hand a place setting of sterling silver flatware. What a picture of their deadly foolishness. Died holding the silver. Jesus says it in verse 23, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he says in verse 24, watch this, and again I say to you, Jesus says, again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says it twice, two times in a row. Is there a verse repeated two times in a row in the Bible? Jesus literally says it two times. He repeats himself, and when the Lord repeats, we should take extra notice. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That must mean it is easy for a poor person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Almost sounds like a warning. Be careful, because money is like a thorn-filled ground that grows up around your heart without you even seeing it. And when you have everything you could ever want on earth, why do you need God? But when you are poor, starving out in the middle of nowhere, and you have nothing, and you're about to die, guess who you cry out to with all of your heart? You start begging. If there is a God, if you're there, help, save me. But not in America. We got food on the shelves everywhere. We don't ever think twice about this. We can always figure it out. Once you taste of wealth, status, and power, it's very hard to give up once you start worshiping it. That's what Jesus is saying. So brothers, sisters in Christ, be encouraged, please. In the name of the Lord Jesus, do not be discouraged if God has blessed you with wealth, if God has blessed you with status or with power, or maybe he hasn't, but he is going to in the future. Make your heart right now. You're having the conversation with the Lord right now. Don't walk away sorrowful. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Some pastors like to do gymnastics with this text, talking about a door near, in a nearby city that was called the eye of a needle, and travelers coming through on camels would have to travel, would have to kneel down and they're traveling to get through this door. It's funny. True or not true, who knows, but what about the obvious? It is difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. 
Have you ever tried to sew? Remember my grandma teaching me to sew when I was a kid? We get holes in our jeans. You'd be like, go sew it up. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Try to figure out how to sew it up. You're not getting a new pair of jeans. Okay, let's figure it out. You know, and I'm like, trying to go, right? Get your little thimble out, huh? You're trying to put it through. It's very difficult to put even a string through the whole eye of a needle. It's hard. And the disciples actually asked the right question according to the obvious picture of fitting a camel through the eye of a needle. Look at verse 25 and 26. And when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus is saying, yes, it sounds impossible to fit a camel through the eye of a needle. And it is. But with God, all things are possible. Even fitting a camel through the eye of a needle. A rich man can enter the kingdom of heaven with God's help. God can do the impossible. God can save the impossible. And that person you have been praying for, God can and will save them. God loves the impossible. That is his stage. He stands on the impossible and says, this is my show. This is what I do. I raise dead men to life. I part Red Seas. I speak and the universe comes into existence. I do the impossible. Verse 27, our last part here. Peter answered him and said, Behold, we have left everything and followed you, Lord. What then will there be for us? What about us, Lord? Do we get treasure in heaven? Peter says, Lord, we left everything to follow you. What will we get in heaven? Peter. <laughs> Wrong question. Lord, what do we get? You get me, Peter. Oh, man. <laughs> you have me, Peter. You already won. You're good, bud. You're good. You got the creator of the universe in front of you. What do you want, gold bars? <laughs> Who cares? Jesus said to them, verse 28, Truly I say to you, that you have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Translation, Peter, don't worry. Your reward is in heaven. You will rule and reign with me. Verse 29 and 30, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms, for my name's sake, you will receive 100 times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Sounds like the ROI of a lifetime. What an investment. You give the Lord what you have, and he'll return to you 100 times what you have given in eternity. What he is saying is your return on your investment in life in eternity will be infinite. For I made money and material things in the universe and when you have me, Jesus says, you have everything. I made it all. I own it all. If you have me, you have everything. Then Jesus ends this talk with this phrase. In eternity, many who are first will be last. 
and the last will be first. Well, rewind all the way back to the children. Those who think they are last will be first. Those full, fully dependent on me for everything, the kings of the earth, Jesus says, will be last. The poor children will be first. And you will look into their eyes and you will remember who they were on earth, you kings. You will look into the poor children's eyes. When you are in eternity, you will see them and you will remember who they were. It is like the Joseph story. You sold your little brother into slavery and 30 years later, you were looking into the eyes of the king and of all the land. It's your little brother whom you sold into slavery. He is the king of Egypt now. This is what heaven will be like. Here are the takeaways. If you want eternal life, look into the eyes of Jesus, into the mirror. See you have sinned against God. Confess your sin. Then look to the cross to see that Jesus has paid for your sin and taken your punishment. God will not punish you for your sins. He will forgive you and bless you. All you must do is turn away from worshiping the world, all the other gods, the money, the fame, the status. Worship the Lord and follow him with all of your life, and you will have eternal life, rich or poor, young or old, powerful or weak. All who come to Jesus will be saved and will be with him forever. Do you want this? Please don't go away sorrowful today. Turn to the Lord with all of your heart now. I want to pray for everyone here today. We would turn to the Lord with all of our hearts that we call upon him to be saved. Let's bow our hearts before him now. Father, we thank you for this conversation that we have had with you through the text. And Lord, I believe that you're moving on hearts now, that you're ministering to hearts now. And I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal to us our sin. We would see the mirror. We'd look into it and see our heart. We see who we are and how much we need you, the one who is good, the one who is love, the one who is peace. Father, would your church turn to you with all of their hearts even now? We look to the cross and see the work that you've done. We turn away from the gods of this world, turn to you with all of our hearts. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and we're praying, you say, Pastor Josh, that's me. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise up your hand right now? I want to pray for you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you and you. Anybody else? Raise up your hand. God's speaking to you. You know you need to turn to him with all of your heart now. You believe he's having a conversation with you like he did with the rich young ruler. He's calling you to turn to him with all of your heart. Would you raise up your hand as a sign of faith? I want to pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else? This is your moment. God's speaking to you. He wants to give you eternal life. You want to turn to him with all of your heart. Anybody else, would you raise up your hand? Let me pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else? Father, I thank you for all of these raising their hand as a sign of faith, saying they want to surrender to you. They want you to be their Lord and King, their God and Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive them of their sins. Would you wipe their sin away? Would you make their slate clean? Would you bring them into close relationship with you? Would you raise them from death to life? Would you help them to come into close relationship with you? I pray that you would give them the gift of heaven now. They would not walk away sorrowful, full of life in a relationship with you. Bless them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. 
Greet them in eternity. Welcome them into the kingdom. By your grace, by your mercy, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless all of you who let me pray for you. Believing on the Lord with all of your heart. Believing that the Lord is doing the work in your heart. It starts with him. It ends with him. And at the end of the day, I want our church to walk with the Lord and know him. Amen. Why don't we all stand up? want to let you know, uh, those of you who raised your hand, even if you didn't, but you've made moves in the direction of God, maybe you've never made before in your life, want to let you know there's some friends over here to my left. You're right. I believe that Chris and Chelsea are standing there. They have Bibles raised up. We'd love to give you a Bible today if you need one, and we'd love to pray for you and answer any questions you might have. Um, please don't leave with some of the leadership that will be standing up here in front of the church. We'd love to, again, pray for you and encourage you before you leave, okay? Uh, I want to remind you as well, uh, pick up this book on the way out if you'd like to, and uh, you can be, continue to pray about getting involved in community and connecting with other church members uh, here at Legacy. Um, what a joy, what a blessing, what a great text. Um, a, a needed one, gosh, here in the, the city that we live in, really a city of kings and queens. Uh, ruling and reigning uh, in this earth and in this world. And uh, gosh, we need right perspective over and over again. Amen. We will uh, sing our benediction and then we will be on our way. Okay. And we'll pray. This is Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, which we sing every week. And so uh, you can sing with us if you like. It goes like this The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord cause his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto us, gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace, oh, give you Father, that's my prayer for your people. Would you give them peace? Would you give them rest? Would your face shine upon us this week? Would your light shine through us to this world? We thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. Help us to use it for, use it for your glory. Go with us this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.